Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Rasmus Ristolainen, probably not very good. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. Uh, that's right, BSH Radio. I'm just really, I was all prepared to do today's show. Like, I wrote the outline last night, early this morning, under the assumption. Like, I have a question. Okay, so one of Sanheim, Provorov, Ellis, and York. That's the defense they're coming into next year with. Like, how are they gonna... No. It was confirmed today, uh, Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic, I just got a, uh, a notification on the old phone that he confirmed the earlier report of a Rasmus Ristolainen an extension. Five years, 5.1 million, that's right, one fewer year, but $100,000 more per season than Andrew McDonald. <laughs> it is incredibly poetic, and to help us get through it, uh, we have to get to the rest of the gang. I don't, I don't, I don't know, folks. Um, let's let's just do the show, I guess. Uh, let's do intros. <laughs> let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Ankle. In the before time on the outline that Bill just referenced, <laughs> I was going to open the show talking about Phil Kessel being a cheater because I love Phil Kessel, but he absolutely is cheating now with his Iron Man streaks. Like that was cheater. I loved it. He scored a goal though, didn't he? No, he took a shot on. He had a shot. Oh, on he goal. took a shot. One okay. shift shot on goal. High five his teammates, went and saw his kid get born. Which, like, cool. You should watch your kid get born. But also, you're a fucking cheater, Phil Kessel. I love you anyway. Congrats on the sex, he's Phil not, Kessel. He's not, <laughs> he's not making the whole world suffer through, like, watch him pretend to play a game, an entire game. Actually, I wish this is what Keith Yandel was doing. Yeah, why can't we do this with Keith Yandel? Why like, can't Keith shift, Yandel play one shift and then go to the fucking locker room and sit by Dress himself for four D. hours? Keith Yandel plays one shift, preferably on the power play, and then he's done for the day. Oh, God. Thank you, Keith. Yeah. I saw that. I had to laugh just to, like, because we all kept saying, you know what? This Yandel thing's bullshit because Kessel's going to break it anyway. (laughs) So I'm glad. I'm glad at least that that's still on the table. Phil said, yes, I am. Yeah. (laughs) From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be a fun show. Um... (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't really have a hot take beyond, you know, they brought back Rasmus and for far too much money because, you know, the Flyers have to be the Flyers. And that's just what's that's just the world we're living in. I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird from my perspective that, like, I think, you know, four or five years ago, even when I first started writing about, um, you know, writing about the Flyers full time, I, this would have legitimately made me angry. Cause it's like, Oh God, like this is not a good, good contract. This is going to hurt the team. And all those things are, I think are true. I don't think this is a good contract, but I'm very much more just like, I don't know. I, I guess this is sort of an, an inevitability of, you know, being a full-time journalist. You kind of just fall into the Ooh. like, 
Well, I'm serious. Like you just kind of fall. You just kind of fall into like the well. I guess this is happening, and now I'm gonna cover it. You know, I think it's the wrong move, but I don't know. I'm 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 much more detached than than I thought I would be for this, and I think in part that might be because like it was clear to me based on the people I talked to last week that like this was gonna happen. It was more just a matter of like how much they were gonna give him, but the Flyers were highly motivated to re-sign this guy and like they were gonna do it. It was once it became clear that like he wasn't vehemently opposed to the idea of coming back, it was like, okay, it's not a matter of whether he re-signs, it's a matter of how much he gets. So I was maybe really... it's partially because I was like m- mentally prepared for this outcome. I was really holding out hope that, like, after, what, like a decade in Buffalo and then coming here for this disaster season, he'd be like, no, I'm going somewhere that, like, knows what the fuck they're doing. But, of course, going somewhere that knew, you know, what the fuck they're doing would mean he would get far less money. Uh, So it makes sense that he would want to stay here because Jesus Christ yeah, uh, but no, I was no, really, I, just I, I, no, really right. holding out hope that he was like, you know what, my last contract, I got way overpaid. Now I want to win. Um, no, he he's and good for him. Like he's taking advantage of a bunch of fucking imbeciles, and he's he's gonna be far richer because of this. So uh, congratulations, Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, you beat up an imbecile, but <clears throat> I, I just I can't. I don't want to say I can't believe it happened. Because I'm getting to you, Steph. I'm getting to you. Are you, though? Because this sounds like the whole show. I'm just, I'm, I'm working things through in my head here. <laughs> because it's, it's so disheartening to think like, yeah, aggressive rebuild. We know we have, uh, aggressive retool. We know we have to go get high-end talent. Here's a defenseman who on his best day is a physical four. Uh, here's, here's $30 million. Uh, 25 Whatever. All right. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So in the before, I was going to say um, the last Ukrainian player to play in the NHL, or the most recent, played for the Flyers. And I was going to ask you guys who it was. It's Fedotenko, fam. Yes. Really? Ruslan Fedotenko. Yes. Huh. Yep. That's cool. Um, All rusty. Which I didn't know until I was, I've, I've been uh, very involved in SB Nation's coverage of the Russia situation. The Russia, I mean the war um, against Ukraine um, after the article that called Ovechkin a coward and a liar. I have since been very involved with SB Nation's coverage. Um so I was looking up Ukrainian players. But now, I'm going to say something. Sorry, that was a long dramatic pause because I forgot what I was going to say. But my new conspiracy theory is, once again, Claude is going to stay. I mean, I mean now, I, now I really hope he doesn't stay for his sake. Seriously. No, I mean, I agree. But now I think it's definitely, like, I've been operating under the assumption he's gone. And now, I, I, I think, like, why, if you're going to bring back a guy who's not very good, why wouldn't you bring back your best player? Like, I'm telling you, I really, really think that he's going to stay. Remember when they so brought Rusty let, Fedotenko let just... back? That was wild. That was yeah, that happened. They remember, sure didn't do that. Well, remember when, when Ruslan Fedotenko, like, was one of the main reasons the Flyers didn't go to the cup final? That was fun. <laughs> 
because he like decided he was going to score like ten goals in a playoff series against the Flyers. Yeah. Yeah, that was super fun. Well. Well. Love it. Love it when. Anyway. F- love it when former Flyers kick the shit out of the Flyers. Hmm, they always do that. I wonder what that's about. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, so I've decided Claudio is going to stay. Just looking at what this team has done over the past, you know, week or so with Kevin Hayes back, Joel Farabee back. Um, I think that's the major changes. But, like, they're winning. Carter Hart is oh, amazing. They won two games. <laughs> Listen. Two games that were fun to watch sometimes. Well, one of them was a little uh, fun to watch, and the other was boring as shit, and Carter Hart just happened to play pretty I was well. going to say, the other one was kind of a disaster, except for Carter Hart. Well, <laughs> right. So the celebration was for Carter Hart. But, like, when you've won 16 games in the season, we get excited about two? I wasn't excited about the Vegas one. That was just a waste of a draft spot right there. Um, well, fair. <clears throat> This, uh, I, I, we're going to do basically the rest of the show about Ristolainen and the defense and the things I wanted to complain about are now like, eh, compared to this because it shows the direction of the franchise, which is not good. Uh, but you know, as we keep saying in the before, you know, when I put all this together, I just had a simple question to lead off the show. Why the fuck is Cam York playing with Keith Yandel? Um, great question. Yeah. Real, real bad. It's dumb. Real it's it's. It, I, we've talked on this show. I've mentioned on post game a bunch of times how important how important it is not to waste this horrible season. Like, and that's not just about like please continue to lose. We need the draft spot, all that. But just like in these terrible games, figure things out about your future. Um, playing Keith Yandel and Cam York together solves nothing. You figure nothing out. Cam York or Excuse me, Keith Yandel will not be back. Also, he's probably the worst player in the league. So this is all very pointless. The reason Cam York isn't up, as we talked about last season, like, full-time, is that they don't want him playing with Keith Yandel because it's, quote-unquote, redundant. I would say having a good player play with a bad player is not redundant. One (laughs) of them is good. But, you know, the role they want both of them to play uh, in a world that doesn't exist because Keith Yandel's the worst player in the league... um, it's similar. Can we play, please play fucking York with Ivan Provorov? Like, see if the first round pick drafted by this regime can maybe, maybe be that puck mover that turns Ivan Provorov back into a viable NHL player. Uh, Because, like, that's a true issue of this organization. If you're going to follow through with this whole aggressive retool... Uh, the defense is horrible. You give up goals at an alarming rate. You can't get the puck out of your own end to save your life unless, like, I don't know, your number one who plays 25 a minute ices it and then throws it over the fucking glass. That gets it out of your own end, I guess. But other than that, like, Ivan Provorov we know needs a high-end puck mover or at least somebody competent with the puck to himself look competent. I don't know. Seems like Cam York could maybe be that fucking guy. But no, let's play him with Keith Yandel for 10 minutes and waste this awful season even further. Thoughts? I agree with everything that you just said, William. <laughs> You're absolutely right in your analysis as usual. It's just like, what, what, I would like, what, what is do? even the point? Like, what is the point? Like, why are you calling him up? Like, what are you calling him up for? Yeah, play nobody. Why? 
Like, it, it would be better to just double shift Nick Steeler, to be honest with you. Like, that would make more sense. Aww. I don't know. Just fire Yandel into the sun. Like, this would, like, just get rid of him. Also, rid can, of I him. Just, can I just say, like, at this point, the idea that Keith Yandel won't be back doesn't feel like a foregone conclusion to me. I mean, they can't possibly. <laughs> can't, I mean, can't they? Rasmusville, at least they love him. They fucking love him. Then he should be the head coach. Uh, Like I will say this over and over: if there's a guy whose entire contribution is intangible, then he should not play. He should be the coach because that's what a coach is. Like, listen, I'm not saying I want it to happen. I know, I know, you're not. I'm just yelling. Like, if it did, like, would you really? In your whole heart, be surprised by it. Yes, because you can fool yourself about Ristolainen. Like, there are things he does that, like, a guy like Bob Clark, who actually secretly still runs the fucking organization, likes. Um, What does Keith Yandel do? What is he good at? Giving up goals while he's on the ice? Turning over the puck? Not going into corners? Like, he's the worst player in the league. This is not hyperbole. There's nobody less effective than him. <laughs> and like this is, I, I've got I've got nothing to add because you're completely uh, right. And like I know Charlie's silent because we've talked this to death. Like it's it's pointless. <laughs> like it's really this is masturbation at this point. Like it's going nowhere. I mean, uh, I'm I'm happy to analyze it, but I just figured no, I'd let pointless. you guys like rant about it. I know, no, it's it's pointless, and I know. But like in a season of wasted time, I see nothing as more of a waste than this bullshit. Like, uh, do something productive. Forfeit the games. Like, you'd be better off forfeiting the games than doing this. Uh, anyway. I mean, what, what do you want me to say about, about no, Keith Yandel? Like, Keith Yandel, no, he shouldn't be playing. Like, he shouldn't be playing because he's not very good, and he certainly shouldn't be playing with Cam York. I will say that I don't, I don't agree with you that I think they should put Cam York with Ivan Provorov just because I don't think it's a good idea to put – a relatively green defenseman on the top pair and give him those minutes, especially when the other top pair defenseman is very clearly not playing well at all right now. Like, I think that's dumb. But what I would do is I would move him to this, move York to the second pair and put him with Travis Sanheim. That to me makes sense. But they're obsessed with the idea of obsessed. keeping Russell Lyon with, with Travis Sanheim, which we saw today by the fact that they re-signed Rastafar Stalinen to keep him with Travis Sanheim. Although it would be utterly, it would be even more insane, which is something that Darren Drager tweeted this, and I don't really think this is true, but like I guess it could be because like there are realities of there being a cap ceiling. The idea that like signing back Ristolainen means that they might trade Travis Sanheim. I mean, they might because like if, if you're an organization that's willing to re-sign Rastafar you may just be making a lot of bad moves. Like that just, you know, that just might be what's going on. But like, it'd be real dumb because the only reason why Ristolainen's numbers aren't completely in the garbage is because he's playing with Travis Sanheim. So like, if you, if you re-sign Ristolainen to get rid of the only reason why Ristolainen isn't like a total dumpster fire here, then like you deserve everything you get. Yeah. Like that, that idea right there. I am by no means a Travis Sanheim fan. He does a I lot am. of sh- he does a lot of <laughs> shit that drives me absolutely batshit. Um, the fact that they think the thing that's the driving force of that pair not being horrible is Ristolainen and not Sanheim does not give me 
any optimism about the future of this organization and what they're going to do to in this aggressive retool in order to uh, you know turn things around and compete next year? They I think are that's going real, to be that, in that, this that's, exact that's really situation. Here. That's really the key here. Like you know, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Are we are we now ready to just go full on the weeds of the wrist line and resigning? Yeah, yeah. Like, now it's wrist line we're, time. We're done the intros. We're done talking about fucking Keith Yandel. Like now we're going to talk about Risto. Okay. So to me, the big thing here is like. Like, look, it's not a good contract, but we knew that. Like, we knew that whoever signed Ristolainen back, like, there's no way you were going to re-sign Ristolainen for what he's probably worth, which is, like, you know, what David Savard got, like, four years, three and a half mil. Like, that's probably what he's worth. He wasn't going to get that um, because, you know, he's big and he's right-handed and he hits people and hockey people love that. But to me, the the, the big takeaway here, and this is something, again, like we talked through a lot of this last week because I think, you know, at, at least me and Kelly – and Bill, to an extent, kind of already accepted last week that, like, this was going to happen. Um, so we, I think we got out a lot of our frustrations last week. Well, Steph, you, you flat out said last week that, like, I'm not going to get angry about something that hasn't happened yet. So a lot. Oh, <laughs> I was like, hold on. How am I the odd one out? <laughs> well, now you can get angry. Uh, but anyway, to me, the big thing here is just that, like, as as we talked about last week and as Bill sort of just implied, is that if you're an organization – that thinks this is a good idea or thinks that this is a necessary signing, it really, really doesn't bode well for what else you're going to do. Yep. Like, it doesn't bode well for what you value in players. It doesn't bode well for how much you're actually listening to your analytics department because I really, really don't think that... I know there's some theories out there that, like, well, well maybe private analytics are. The, yeah, the, maybe yeah, the okay. analytics the Flyers are looking at are, are, are say that Risto is better than than everyone in the public sphere. It's like no, my, I, per 60. I, I really, really don't <laughs> think that's the case based on what I know about private models of analytics. Like, either let me put it this way: either the Flyers' private model is real, real bad, which I don't <laughs> think it is, or. They just didn't really think that analytics properly <laughs> valued Ristolainen in the way that they wanted to value him. So where we're at here right now is like, I don't know how you can realistically have confidence that the next set of moves that the Flyers front office is going to make are going to be the right ones when that same front office thinks this is the right move. Like that that's kind of where I'm at in that like it, this is... This is the kind of move that kills your confidence in a front office. It is. And, like, I, I, don't, I don't totally hate Ristolainen. I would have given him three and a half mil a year. I would have done that. Like, I don't think he's a valueless player. But you're giving a guy too much money because you're valuing things that are inherently intangible. And not only are they her- inherently intangible, they've never actually helped an NHL team be good, ever. This like, is you're he's never saying what I said last week. He's like, never been is... on a good team. And even if you're going to argue that he's not the reason why he's never been on a good team, which like maybe, maybe he's not the reason why his teams have been bad. He's also like his supposed important intangibles have never been measurable and important enough to make a team good. <clears throat> and there's nothing to say that they will ever make a team good because maybe they're just not that important. Right. Yeah, like, congratulations, you just did exactly what the Buffalo Sabres did. 
His yeah. last contract, <laughs> six years, 5.4 a year. This one, five times 5.1. Like, congratulations, you're Buffalo. Way to go. Way cool. to go, guys. They're doing great. So. No, I, so I, will... I have a question. Go ahead, Steph. So this isn't, it, it's a big deal to us, but re-signing a player isn't necessarily a big splash for a general manager. But do you think that Chuck Fletcher doing this means that he's he's here for the rebuild? Oh, it's pretty clear he's not getting fired. Oh, I, I mean, think. I mean, Chuck is not getting fired. Like, not this year. Not this year, not this offseason. At the very least. No, I know that. I, I, he destroys I, the team, which like Charlie just eloquently described, he seems to be on the road to doing. Then maybe he'll get fired next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I okay. kind of think that my my understanding and my read on the Chuck Fletcher situation in Philly is that he was always going to get the rest of the season. He was always going to get this offseason. Now, this offseason, I mean, we've already heard them say that it's going to be an aggressive retool. They're going to keep trying to compete, which means that, like, the expectation from above is that, like, they're going to be better next year. Now, if they're real bad again next year, I don't think he survives that. Like, I don't think this is a situation where, like, Chuck is just the guy. Like, I do think there is a breaking point from Comcast's perspective of, like, you know, if we're bad again next year, yeah, we probably have to fire Chuck. But I don't think they're there yet. I mean, for a lot of fans, a lot of fans are there. I don't think Comcast is there. But I don't think, like, this is a case of, like, no, like, lock Chuck up. Like, he's the guy for the next 10 years. No, if the Flyers are bad again next year, I think he goes. But I think the expectation from everyone is that they're not going to be bad next year. Which, again, is maybe part of the problem. I think think even if they're bad next year, he's on the road to... Yeah, Danny Breer's GM, and yeah, you're yep. fired up. You're the president fired of the organization. That's possible. Congratulations. That's possible. Yeah. Like, I just see, I just see a, a complete ineptitude coming from this front office. I will yep. draw a distinction, a reason for a little bit of, like, maybe it's not as bad. Like, I mean, there's again, there's a cap ceiling, so like, it is bad. Five point one a season for a guy who's not very good is bad. Um, at that press conference, uh, that now infamous press conference, they talked about, yes, we need high-end talent, but we also need guys who are tough to play against. So, like, per- perhaps they recognize... I mean, it's stupid. I know, keep trying. <laughs> I, I know. Because, like, no, I'm, like, looking at comparable contracts on Cap Friendly right now, and, like, Jamie Alexiak, who is the player, you know, he doesn't have the offense that Rasmus does, but, like, where's that offense been all this year? Uh, so, like, Jamie Alexiak is the player that they think Ristolainen is. He got five times 4.6. Like, what are... I don't know. They're so fucked. No, the no, thing t- that's wild ahead, to me is that, like, even if you are an old-school hockey man eye test guy, like, Ristolainen makes big, glaring errors in the defensive zone. Like, it's not just, like, we think he's bad because he does too many hits or whatever. Like, it's not, like, some nerd bullshit that makes him bad. Like, you can see with your eyeballs that you know, he's not that he good. He makes he's, him bad. He's not a defensive defenseman. Like, that's no, he's not. not. He, he's that's not. not he never has been. At all. 
No, not he's even not good bit. defensively. If like, anything, if, if anything, he's an offensive defenseman who gets pegged as a defensive defenseman. Right. He hits because he's, he's big. big. Like yeah. yeah, the hits are the hits are one thing, but he doesn't do anything else in the defensive zone. Like, and the hits are often putting him out of position. Like, he had one. Often. He had one in that Chicago game where I've said all year, like I don't think. I don't think he's as glaring, like, chasing the hits the way, like, no. Luke Shen did. Like, Luke Shen, it would be like a video game <laughs> flying, off your, my flying off your screen like Superman to chase a hit <laughs> as the puck came in to cre- to turn a three-on-two into a two-on-one. Two like, that. I don't think he's done that, but he really had one against Chicago like that the other day where he just went way out of his way, and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, it's a two-on-one down low, dude. Where'd you, where'd you go? Uh, I just, what do they, is it really just the one thing he hits? Like, that's it? No, I mean, it is, in all honesty, and like, this is obviously an oversimplification, but yeah, it pretty much is that. It's this idea, and I, and I tweeted about this, we talked about this a little bit on last week's show, it's really this concept of being tough to play against. That is the whole thing, That that's what this boils down to, because the, the concept, really the, and and there's an irony here. There's a real irony here in the sense of like what people say they want from the Flyers. And for the last two years, we've heard it's kind of like one of those like be careful what you wish for type things. Because for the last two years, we've heard so many people, particularly on social media, be screaming that like the Flyers aren't the Flyers anymore. You know, the Ed Snyder era, it's dead. You know, you know, it, they haven't been the same since Ed died. Well, um, they, they don't have an identity. Or since they took down the Kate Smith statue. But like they don't. I have, can't they, believe they, they, they don't have an identity, all that Ooh. stuff. Th- this signing, the trade for line and especially the re-signing, that is primarily driven by the idea that re- a player like Ristolainen is needed because this is the way the Flyers have to be. Yep. Like, th- there's very much an element here, and I think it's probably the driving force, beyond the fact that, like, Chuck Fletcher just likes the guy. Like, he's liked him since dating back to his time in Minnesota. Like, they, like Fletcher and Flair, they, they like him. They, they really like him as a with player. Him, but I don't know if that would have been enough to get them over the finish line, especially because my suspicion is that, like, the analytics department is kind of like, hey, this isn't a good idea because like it is a collaborative environment in Philadelphia in terms of the decision-making process. Like a lot of people have voices and like the analytics department, I don't think the analytics department is totally ignored. It's just like they're a voice and their voice in this was probably like, Hey, maybe don't do that. But the thing is, is that there's a lot of other voices in the organization that are like, no, you need to do this because the one of the reasons why, and again, this is something that was articulated on social media a lot the last couple of years that like one of the reasons why the flyers, aren't good right now is because they lost their way they're not the flyers anymore they lost their identity that they're not tough to play against you know people teams don't come into the wells fargo center and dread playing the flyers Uh and there's a lot of people in the organization that believe that that is inherently like they're not scared to get hit. You know, they go into the corners and they get worn down and they look at a guy like Ristolainen and they say that he brings that. So it's kind of like 
signing Ristolina in a way is like, okay, we're checking that box. Like that's fucking nailed it, boys. Like, like that's an essential aspect of the Flyers that the Flyers have to be. So we're keeping Risto because if we have Risto, we've checked that box. Now we can go out and do other stuff that like may or may not be smart. And it doesn't mean that like every guy they sign has to be big and hits people, but they feel like they had to have Aristo because yeah. you have to have Aristo because we have to still be the Flyers and re-signing Risto allows us to still be the Flyers. This is That's why a lot I of said. This. this is why I said the team is fucked until every single one of these assholes is gone. And like I don't stop chasing the, the idiot bullies. Old man contingent. The, I- the Flyers curse isn't Kate Smith. The Flyers curse is the Broad Street bullies. Winning those cups with that team Ooh. has fucking cursed this team for the rest of time. Stop chasing that team. Stop trying to be a fucking bar. Like, no one is the bullies anymore. It's not how you play hockey. And Knock like, it the fuck off. If you like, want to be that, that kind of If you want to be that kind of team, like, I don't even think it's inherently awful for that to be your end goal. But, like, you know, Mike no, Richards... Is. Mike Richards was a physical player who scored a point a game at one point in his career. Wayne Simmons was a physical player who could net 30 goals. Like, Brad Marchand is, like, a, a dark horse fucking heart trophy cat candidate. Right. The Kachucks. Like, these are guys who are physical and are also good. That's the part. That's the part. Like, focus on getting good players that are physical, not physical players. Like, like start with a good player. Bobby Clark even said in that interview he did, like, yeah, you know, we had some fighters and everything, but, like, Clark didn't fight. Fucking Bill Barber didn't fight. You had two two Hall of Famers right there. You had a Hall of Famer in net. Like, Reggie Leach, like, you had great fucking players. It was... uh, They just... I really think it gets back to what Charlie said. I think it was last week. Um... This team, while they understand in principle there is a salary cap, they don't get the idea that like the finite yeah. amount of money means you have to make tough decisions about yeah. who you do and don't want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I will never get over what Kelly just said, that the Flyers curse no, is it's, the bully. It's a great point because these people are true. still running the organization. People are obsessed with them. People are obsessed with the idea that if we simply ice the 1975 Philadelphia Flyers, we will win cups again. And it's yeah. stupid. Yeah, and, it's and just, like I'm not I'm not yeah. even going to like sugarcoat it. It's fucking stupid. If you think that, you're stupid. It's a stupid way to build a hockey game in 2022. And this is why we are where we are because not only is the front office obsessed with the idea of it, Half the fan base is obsessed with the idea of it. Yeah. And they listen to those people. And you have some asshole at a season ticket holder meeting crying about a fucking statue. Like, this is the people that they're listening to. And we're stuck having to deal with them signing big, huge idiots that suck at hockey because they're going to throw hits. And that's fun because that's what the Flyers do. <laughs> well, what the Flyers don't do is fucking win Stanley Cups. Maybe we should try doing that. To be fair. I mean... I mean- the, yeah, the, the bummer of this. Oh, God, I, I want to hear the to be fair from Bill before I go into another. He also plays net front on the power play. So, That's true. So. People, are, people are scared of him at, in front of the net. I don't know if you knew that. You know, that Chicago game, I really thought that that Chicago game was a perfect example. And I'll, I'll get back to you, Chuck. Uh, yeah, like, Rasmus Ristolainen, yeah, there was like there was some testiness in that Chicago game. 
there were some scrums. Ristolainen was right in the middle of it. He didn't beat the shit out of anybody. It was a whole bunch of fucking wrestling. And, like, like, it's not like he knocked someone the fuck out. And that's why they won. Like, it was a fun game to watch. It was one of the most fun games of the last two years. Because we've watched nothing but shit games for two years. But, god damn it. This dude is not Wayne Simmons. Like, he is... It's not happening. Like, Wayne Simmons in those situations would pull Tom Wilson off the pile and just start pummeling him. He did it in a playoff game. Like, that's not what happened against Chicago. Uh, So, like... You know who did that? It was Travis Sanheim pulled... Travis Sanheim actually threw off of Rasmus Ristolainen. He actually like got someone down and was throwing punches. That was the most proud I've ever been of Travis Sanheim. Like, and it's ever. not there's that was that was my I'm a proud mama moment. overtime like, game winning goals so all that shit. Sanheim actually getting mad was like something I was very proud of. Wasn't it against Alex DeBrinket though, who's like five foot? Five? I don't Sanders. care. Oh, I thought it was Then the last game. Uh, what two nights ago again? Yeah, Vegas at the very end. Uh, somebody re- Sandheim standing in front of the net. Someone has their stick through his legs, just whacking Carter Hart. And yeah, Sandheim's chilling. So I don't but, care if he beats up a five foot eight guy. He beat up somebody. All right, but go, going back to what I was saying, the, yeah, one of the real bummers about the last 10 years and and like it's funny the the flyers they do this they just swing back and forth between like like styles of managing but like in retrospect like it's a real bummer and i've been thinking about this last couple days it's a real bummer that hextall didn't work like i mean we've we've rehashed the hextall tenure a lot over the last year and a half because of the fact that like guys didn't pan out the prospects that we that 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 the fans were sold like didn't become as good as you know expected things like that you know obviously there were some some draft picks made that weren't as good but like the one thing you got to credit Ron Hextall for was that Ron Hextall the team he was trying to build I do believe at its core was like a forward thinking type of roster. Mm-hmm. I don't think the execution was wrong. Like the execution was poor. But like look, we've heard that one of the big reasons why Ron Hextall was fired wasn't necessarily just because the team was bad that year, it was because he shut out a lot of the old guys, the alumni, things like that. And at the time, it was like that. at the time it it was like, well that was the wrong idea. They can't do that when you're the GM of the Flyers things like that. Like, well this is the result of not shutting out those guys. Like this is this is what happens when the old school guys have a voice again. You sign Ristolainen to a five year, five point one million dollar a year contract. Like this is this is the the end result of bringing that. Like we have to be the flies. Like I think Ron Hextall was the only GM they've had probably ever that, like, didn't really care that much about the concept of, like, we have to be the Flyers, and that means we have to play a specific way. And I'm not saying that, like, the moves he made were all right because they weren't. But, like, at least there was the potential that, like, these kind of moves weren't going to happen. Now they're going to happen because we're back to, like, we have to be the Broad Street Bullies, but just in a modern time. You know, it, I I don't know if that makes full sense, but, like, it's something I've been thinking about where, like, the, there were there were positives and negatives of Ron Hexall's tenure. I do think that, like, 
this is not a signing he would have made. If that makes sense. I, I, uh, and I, think, right. I don't think yeah. he would have traded for him in the first place. Yeah. yeah. No, we were excited about Ron Hextall from the jump for a reason. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Like, we looked at what he was doing in L.A., and we were like, this is not, like, he's not going to do Broad Street Bullies. He's going to try to build a good hockey team. And, and he, he didn't. He, he might he have did tried, it. but he, yeah, he did yeah. fail at that, t- yes. for sure. But, like, there was a reason we were excited about hiring him at the start, and that was it. And, like, L.A., it's not like they were some finesse team. Like, they they were a dump-and-chase physical team that beat you up, but, like, the guys who did it were awesome. Like, that's the, you know? <laughs> like, Dustin Brown was real good in his time. Like, they had a number one C. They, in, like, they had Drew Doughty. Like, they had all these things. We don't... I, you're, we don't need to reiterate the Hextall thing again, but like, there's a way to do it that way. It's not this. You need those players to be good. What if they like seventy five percent run it back? Uh, like dude, I can see that happening. That at this was point. no. That's that's something I wanted to get to. Where? What time are we at? Do we need to take a break? Let's take a break. Yeah, take a break. Let's take a break, and then we'll talk about running it back. Uh, we'll be back on the other side for that fun conversation. All right, fam, we are back, and uh, so too is Rasmus Ristolainen. Five years, $5.1 million. Hey-o. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Kelly, before the break, brought up the idea of running this thing back. And it's something I wanted to bring up in a different way. Like I said, I wrote the outline for this show, like just jotted down the ideas last night. And it was more along the lines of, what are they going to do with this blue line? Like, this defense is horrible, and they can't get the puck out of their own zone to save their lives. Oh, Rissa Lyon's going to do a lot for that, yeah, considering Rista he's real bad at zone exits. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I-, I was operating under the idea that Rissa Lyon would be traded and not re-signed. But you yeah, still... that, that, was, that was real smart. And, like, Ellis will be back, <laughs> sure. Um, I guess. <clears throat> but you still have Provorov, Sanheim. You're going to bring up York. But, like, a lot of the, de- the defense is going to stay the same. And now it's going to even be more the same because they have re-signed Rasmus Rista Lyon. Like, how can they fix this defense if all of the, like, it's a different third pair, so that fixes the defense? Like, that's what we're looking at? I I guess they really just think that plugging Ryan Ellis into the top pair is going to solve every single problem on defense. And it'll be a tremendous help, without a doubt, Ryan Ellis. Theoretically, we don't fucking know. That's if he plays, (laughs) sure. And we have no idea. even if he does play, we've seen him, like, games we have no idea how good hey, he's gonna be here he had like, five points idea. he had five points in those four games he leads Fair all enough. defensemen in points per game all right <laughs> uh no but like when when ryan ellis isn't on the ice um which is you know two-thirds of the game 50 percent of the game maybe how how with the exact same defense will they um play defense hits gonna make hits i mean a lot of it a lot of it is the assumption that that ryan ellis will come back and will play well which is a big assumption i mean Mm -hmm. it's a big assumption but that because i think their their theory of their theory of fixing the defense is this it's that you get ellis back that fixes proveroff okay so that's number one you got your top pair Sanheim Ristolainen is a fine second pair 
that would perform better if the forwards were better. Like, Ristolainen, and this is something I'm going to talk about in my in my column, like, the Ristolainen and Sanheim pairing is actually the Flyers' best performing pair by the numbers. Oh, well, that's not shocking. It, 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 it's just that, like, those numbers still ain't good. It's just they're <laughs> better than all the other highly used pairs they've rolled this year. But I think their thing is, like, well, it's it's fine, and if we have better structure and better forwards to drive the bus, then those numbers will get better and it'll be a perfectly fine second pair. Then the third pair, I'm guessing York slides in for Yandel, who like, I mean, Jesus Christ, they better not re-sign Keith Yandel. They can't. Um, He's got to retire. Oh, if they do, like, we're going to shut down the podcast. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, like, I can't do No, I will, I will podcast from fucking the skate zone and just protest every day. Yeah. That's fine. So yeah, like we can do that. So they'll they'll roll with York on the third pair, and then who's your number six? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll go out and they'll sign somebody Nick for Sealer, cheap, probably. or or they'll trade. Um, you know, they'll get somebody back in these trade deadline deals who's like a youngish defenseman who can play the six, like a right-handed shot. And then there's your defense. Like it's not very good, but trade I the guess 11th I, overall I, pick for Tyler Myers probably. I mean, they're not they're not going to get the eleventh overall pick. They're going to get a pick much better than that. Like, you think? That yeah. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do the thing where they win a bunch of games. They're not because they're gonna trade Claude Drew and then they're gonna be real freaking bad. What if they don't? They're already. They're, all, they're already. They're already real bad with him. How bad do you think they're gonna be without him? I'm listen. I I know they're bad. I hope that's. The I'm case, just saying Charlie. they're they're like falling ass backwards into wins over the last yeah, two like, games. What if? Which is what a if, very. A solid sample size, I think, for what What if this is the start of a two-week run for Carter Hart where he's just unbeatable? Yeah, fucking Carter Hart's going to ruin this whole thing. That (laughs) happens with goalies all the time. Like, I don't care if he's not having an elite season. He can have an elite two weeks, no problem. He did it against Montreal in the playoffs. Like, you can just have an elite two weeks. And he's a goalie who's absolutely good enough to do that. Uh, You know, Pavel Francois had an elite two weeks this season. It's totally possible. Uh, So, like... I don't think they're actually going to get the 11th overall. I'm just like, this with the Ristolainen signing, the worst case scenario of this year has already begun to unfold. Yes. Have we asked Micah for his doom probability for the Flyers yet? Which is the not making the playoffs, but also not getting a high draft Oh, that's sadness. The sadness. Yeah, so I'm they're sorry, they're pretty too. they're pretty low on that. They're pretty low. I think yeah. They're 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 gonna they're gonna get sadness. I mean, I mean the we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna have a high pick. It's gonna happen. The, it's just really a matter of how high. The possibility of drafting outside the top ten is almost none. But like four and five was such a possibility that seven's gonna be disappointing. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, well, I mean, they could end up seven. Like they could end up seven if they end up in like like they end up sliding in like four or five and then a couple teams jump them in the lottery like that my 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 expectation is that they're they're probably going to finish somewhere in like the four to six range depending on like you know whether they go on a run at the end of the year whether they don't i don't think they can get much much worse than that but like let's say they end up sixth and then two teams like jump them in the lottery the rangers and the devils again yeah, like yeah i mean the devils (laughs) the devils will do it because it's always gonna be mature teams that they get lucky yeah um yeah, and then suddenly they're eighth. And, like, the the funny thing is I actually think that there are a, enough good players in this first round, particularly in the top ten. Like, they'll still get a good player. Um, but then it just comes down to, you know, how much you trust the organization to draft the right guy. And huh. I'm 
I gather that Kelly in particular has zero faith in that. I think yeah. they like they could just get lucky. Like I don't think they're or gonna. What perp- they do when they get them? I don't think they're gonna purposefully draft the right guy, but like they could get fucking lucky. You know, anything can happen. I guess right now, in case anyone's interested, they are sixth in the league by both points and points percentage, and that's worse. Sixth worst in the league by yeah, points yeah. and points percentage. Uh, they're sitting twenty seventh. It's Montreal. I mean, they're playing better, but they're just in such a hole. I don't think anyone's going to catch Montreal. Seattle, Arizona, Buffalo, Ottawa, Philly, Jersey. And it's this, like, Buffalo, Ottawa, Philly, Jersey kind of soft area that you could be anywhere between five and, like, seven or eight. So, like, that's, that's what you're looking for. Top five is the goal. If you can get to four, awesome. But to me, like, five is really the goal here. And, of course, it's a fucking lottery, so they could just win it. You know, it happens. They could win it. Yeah. They could win the lottery. That I isn't, I mean. last time. Yeah, again, <laughs> fa- right, fatalism, fatalism we love. Kelly, there's <laughs> enough wrong already. We don't need to worry about that. I'm going with Bill's worst I mean, case scenario. All right, so Kelly did that. What if Dave Haxtall gets the number one pick? Huh? What if Dave Haxtall gets the number one pick? Oh, that would be fine. Yeah, the team will continue to suck until he's not the coach. So it doesn't yeah, Ron matter. Francis yeah, has shown that he doesn't it. know how to do a draft. So I'm, I, all right, I'm, I'm actually going to ask a question here because, oh, like, no. we've we've very much um, gone heavy on the doom gloom, hmm. which I mean I think is understandable in the show. But like, is there is there an outcome? Like, can can any of us put together? an outcome in their heads where like this all works out yeah and they're and they're yes. good again yes and it involves them utterly failing again next year lucking into the number one pick and getting Connor bedard okay no no i'm I, no i'm talking about because like the oh, philadelphia this, oh. the philadelphia flyers organizationally believe they believe this that they can Fix this this off season and be good again oh, next that's season. That's what you're talking yeah. about. That's okay. why they're talking about an aggressive retool. That's why they're gonna be they're gonna make moves this summer. Like they're I mean, I've talked about how I think this is gonna play into like it's gonna be an accidental tank because I think they're gonna make enough wrong moves mm-hmm. and you know, they're gonna lose Claude Giroux and now they're resigning Ristalign and like I just don't think they're gonna be very good. But like they believe they can fix this. I guess my question is is like does anyone think there is a plausible scenario where they're right and they do fix this and they are good next year? It, it, it requires so, especially now that we're looking at Risto with $5 million on the cap, it would require so many things to go right that I just, like, they're going to have to do really well in a Claude Giroux trade. Like, I feel like they're going to have to get a player that contributes next year in order for that move to contribute to them turning things around. I think that they're going to have to figure out something to do with JVR, either buy him out or trade him. He's going to have to go. Then they're going to have to find a way to get like a first line winger like that can score a lot of goals to come here via free agency i guess because i don't know then at that point who you trade to get that guy and they don't really get traded very often so i mean unless johnny comes home i don't really know i don't know yeah that's, i don't um... I, I can't see with the cap i mean if there were no cap as we've said a million times this would be fine with the salary cap where it is and what they have spent their money on i have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to put together 
enough offense to overcome this defense and win a lot of hockey games. Johnny so, and Philip Forsberg replace Giroux and JVR. That's that's. It. I mean, if that happened, that that might be all right. And fill in, you know, your UFA of choice for Philip Forsberg, uh, Kevin Fiala. You know what they'll do is go get Jason Robertson. <laughs> they'll like offer sheet him. <laughs> Wouldn't it be, see that that would get me right back if Chuck offer sheets somebody really good like that'll just pull me right back in. He won't do it though because he's no. Chuck. But I would totally be right back in if he offered. I think kind of where I'm at is that, like, I do think there are scenarios. What's up, Steph? Oh, I had an opinion. Oh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I had an opinion. So the thing is with the Flyers, they're not going to be good next season, period. There's nothing that they could do to be good next season. And by good, I mean competing for the cup. They could make the playoffs next season because that happens all the time. Fluky things happen, and mediocre teams make the playoffs every single year because 16 teams make the playoffs every single year. So if that's your marker for success, yeah, they could be good enough to make the playoffs next season. They're not going to be good enough to, to push for a Stanley Cup no matter what. And I, I don't know why... The, the team thinks that they could be. I, I just don't understand. We're, we live in the cap era. There is nothing that they can do with, with the cap situation as it is and giving Rasmus Ristolainen $5 million a year. There's nothing that they can do to retool as aggressively as they, as they can that would make this team competitive for a cup next year. Yeah. I think that's fair. I guess to me, like, I I agree that there are pathways for them to be, like, competitive next year. I think that could happen. But I I also think that, you you kind of, you kind of have to look at, and I've said this before on the show, you kind of have to look at predictions, particularly about, like, how a team's going to do, but also about how, like, players are going to do. Like, you look at it as, like, like, plausible outcomes percentage of plausible outcomes like okay there is a 10 percent chance this is going to happen a 20 percent chance this is going to happen a 30 percent chance this is going to happen and i just look at the flyers right now you know particularly going into the offseason but I, I mean i don't think this is going to change based on what they do in the offseason because i just i don't think you can turn like i don't think you have the assets to turn this roster regardless of how many pieces you move around like you don't have the quality assets to turn this roster into something super duper you know cup competitive so i agree with steph there but i just think there's a lot more plausible scenarios for this team to be real real bad yeah. next year oh, yes. than Absolutely. like like i mean bill you you've went into this on this show before the idea of like you know your big fear, and 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 I, I going back because I, I listen to our show sometimes, and I wanted to kind of bring up this cognitive dissonance that you in particular seem to have because you talk about how your big fear is not is not that like they're going to be real real bad. Your big fear is that all the like guys are going to come back, they're not going to be ravaged by injury, and then they're going to be mediocre, and we're they're just going to be caught in this like you know getting the you know. 10th to 16th pick for another three years and nothing's going to change and they're never going to get high in town. But like then at the same token, you say that like you're worried about like Sean Couturier having a back issue and just not being good anymore. And 
you're worried like Ryan Ellis is just never going to play games because he's going to be hurt all the time. Well, like those are all plausible outcomes. And if those plaus and and not just plausible, like they're not like insignificant like percentage outcomes. And if those happen, the Flyers are going to be real, real, real bad. They will be. And that will ultimately be good because it will lead to a rebuild if the organization was run by normal people. My fear with that is the mediocrity will continue because after we saw, like, okay, those guys are hurt, they're done, they're on LTIR until they fucking retire. Like, as we saw with the Pronger injury, all of a sudden, the people running this team, who are the same people, just start chasing their fucking tail and ensure mediocrity. Like, my fear is, like, if they're going to aggressive retool, like, I can only go on what they're telling me. They're not going to rebuild. That's not something they're interested in. So, like, yeah, if they're awful, cool. We'll, but they're not going to allow that to happen for, uh, you know, an extended period of time. It'll happen for a year because, you know, things go wrong, like this year. But, like, an extended period of time, which is required for a rebuild, they won't let that happen. We'll just go out and get a bunch of C-level players to replace our B-plus level players, and we'll be right back in mediocrity. Like, that's... That's what I'm talking about. Like it's the contradiction is what I want versus what I think this organization will do, and I can only react to what I think the organization will do. See, I guess my point there is that like and I talked about this last week, like teams bottom out all the time. Most teams bottom out for 3 to 4 years. Like most teams have done that since the lockout. Like since they since they instituted the salary cap, since we we have like the modern NHL, which I would say is salary cap NHL, and most of those bottoming outs are unintentional. They happen because an organization thinks they're making smart moves and they're actually making the wrong moves, and it seems like that's where the Flyers are at right now. So I I mean, to me, the wrist alignment signing just sort of hints that like this is. This is where the Flyers are headed. They're headed for a run where they're not going to be very good. And hopefully out of that run, they're going to get some good players out of the draft and they'll be able to pull themselves out of this. But like, and that's organizationally, like this move itself, yes. And it signals that these people don't know what they're doing. But they also know like... It's not even that they don't know what they're doing. It's just that their process is flawed. Okay. Their process is 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 inherently flawed because they're valuing the wrong things out of them but they're gonna like a player with a big points total they're gonna go and get and well they have to convince them to come here they convinced fucking Ristol. like people get dougie hamilton just went to the fucking devils like bad good players go bad places all the time they're gonna convince somebody how are they gonna have the money exactly because they don't have that much space problem because Drew That's will be problem. gone, and they're gonna get rid of JVR, and there's fucking yeah, but they, yeah, but they can't right there. I, yeah, but they're not. I don't think they're gonna get rid of the entirety of JVR's contract, whether it's a buyout or whether it's retaining salary. They're not gonna get rid of all of it, and a lot of the money you're saving by losing Drew, which by the way, you're also losing Claude Drew, who's real freaking good still. A lot of that is gonna be picked up by the raises that are kicking in for guys like Farabee. Oh yeah, and that's it, it's certainly an issue, and you also think Joel Farabee will take a step forward because he's seems to be one of the guys who actually is a high end player. Uh, but you know, we thought Hope the same so. Th- That'd be neat. Maybe. No, but we thought the same thing about TK, and that's okay. something. That's yeah, how I mean, Farabee might just be a nice piece. Yeah, it's totally possible. 
Uh, I did want to ask about TK since he came up. Because um, he comes up, he's probably the most... He's the most talked about player on post games, uh, just yeah. in terms of like the wide range of like nobody, none of the callers or anything is like attached to any of the players. But by a wide margin, people seem to think will regret giving up on TK the most. Like he's got Justin Williams written all over him. How I mean, do you guys feel about that? that. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, can, can, I, can I back up for a second? Yeah, yeah, Let's sure. get to TK. But, like, you talk about, like, well, they're going to lose Giroux. Like, so Giroux's cap hit is $8.275 million, okay? So that's so, so remember that number. Joel Farabee has a $4.75 million dollar raise cut kicking in next year, okay? So that's $4.75 million. Sean Couturier has, a th- like, about a three point four million dollar raise kicking in so there's the eight right there there's the eight right there the 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 money that drew gets that his cap hit is basically like that's just immediately going to the additional money you got to pay joel farabee and sean gaturier like i don't know where the money's coming from like who are you trading i fully yeah yeah like like yeah jvr but again like Either you buy him out or you retain salary. I don't think anybody's picking up that whole seven million dollar cap hit. Nope. But sure, Maybe let's Arizona. say that opens up that yeah. opens up three point five million. Like well, if, to do that, you'd have to give up the the fifth overall pick you got for having this awful season. Like that would be truly insane. I don't think you'd have to give up a first round pick for it. I just don't know. Like where is this money coming from? I the also one way fully I, expect- the, the one way I thought they were going to be able to open up money. Was by not re-signing Ristolainen, but they just did that. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree that this was like, a very are, stupid move. Who are you going to move? I fully expect at least one of the Hextall draft picks to get traded, and that's TK Sanheim Provorov. But of course, then, especially with the defenseman, well, now you're out of defenseman. It's it, it yeah. is a very if, if, backwards it's plan. Like, like like if you if you trade Sanheim, then Ristolainen immediately becomes forty percent worse than he already is. So that's another pathway for you to be real freaking bad. If you trade away Konechny, like yeah, okay, maybe you trade away Konechny and then you can replace his money with Johnny Goudreau. But like Goudreau's going to cost ten mil. Yeah, where are you going to get the other he's five? Nine or ten mil right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like we're, like like that's not the whole thing. I just don't know like. I don't know what their pathway is to getting these mythical top point scorers because they back themselves into a cap corner because they're re-signed guys like Rasmus Ristolainen. How many buyouts are you allowed in one season? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I just don't know. I don't know what their plan is. I don't like, like, I just think that the wrist aligning thing was we need to have the hard to play against guy. So we're locking him up and we'll figure out the rest later. You know what makes me, I always, I think about this all the time. Every time I hear the hard to play against thing is I think about, I think it was the first Boston game when teeny tiny little Brad Marchand just like went through wrist aligning to the front of the net and scored a goal. And it's like. If this little man isn't scared of playing against big old Rasmus Ristolainen in front of the net, like, who, who is? Nobody. It's fake. You made that up. I, I read something in the very few minutes that I had between waking up and hearing that this uh, extension happened um, was that Chuck Fletcher gave up so much for Rasmus Ristolainen that they couldn't just let him walk for nothing, which... Fine, 
Also, but not also, trade him. Yeah, that's, no, that's stupid. That's, that a, that's stupid. That's a stupid. So move. trade him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> could get. You could get a fair amount and, of it back. The pick back. Like yeah. that's that's the the thing here. If no, you really is, wanted him, you have the whole off season. You know, like that. That is a bullshit explanation. Yes. It's an explanation that you tell yourself. When in reality, the reason why you resign him is because you really like him. Yeah, like that. That's yep. why. Yeah, they think it, it is, he's good. Yeah, like yep. it's it's not a like, well, we gave up so much. Like, well, the whole reason why they gave up so much is because they really liked him, and they, they still really good. like him. They think he is yeah, a five like that's million the, dollar defenseman. Oh, we gave up so much. Like that's perfect. You're like, oh well, we gave up so much for him. No one made you do that. No one fucking put a gun to Chuck Fletcher's head and said, the 14th picker, you're fucking dead. Like, that didn't happen. Like, he he gave Chuck up the Fletcher first round pick willingly. When I interviewed him, Chuck Fletcher said that he had been trying to get Ristolainen for years. Yeah. Not just with the Flyers, yeah. but with the Wild. And like, they he really is like not him. letting this and, guy go. And the Wild have had so much success that you have to say, this is the guy to run our organization. Oh, wait, they're much better since he's left. Uh, okay. I, and, okay, go, let's go back to Connect Me. Yeah. I, I did derail that, but I just, I, no, I that wanted was, to get that into was, that. That was good. That's good context. Yep. Because, like, what I'm saying is, it is very much based in, like, them pulling something off. Like, it's not. I just don't think, I don't think they can. Yeah. And if they No, it's going to be very do, difficult. Yeah, like if they do pull something off, it's gonna be like a like a one step forward, two steps back because the guys they're gonna have to get rid of in order to do that thing like are gonna hurt the team. So that's the thing. Like, like, like I, I keep going back to Travis Sanheim. Like, if you get rid of Travis Sanheim to do the stuff you want to do in the offseason, I don't necessarily think they're gonna do it. But if you do it, Ristolainen, he's the only reason why Ristolainen isn't a total disaster. And also, we, we, the, the whole deployment thing we got into last week. So Ryan Ellis, say he comes back healthy, he's probably gonna miss ten or fifteen games, twenty games, because he does every year. Um, then who plays with Provorov? Sanheim is gone. Ristolainen, we know, can't do it because in a year where you would be like, okay, let's see if he can do it, they refuse. Braun they will. We can't. Braun will be gone. Uh, I, I, I assume. <laughs> Cam York. I don't for know. His, They're both left-handed. They don't yeah. like that. Like, so who then plays with Provorov? Like the whole thing is it. This is very much a house of cards that they have sure built is. for themselves, and it yeah. doesn't seem like. Charlie said it doesn't seem like they have a plan. It really doesn't. I think they they have if a they plan, have one, but it's it, bad. But it's, bad but it's so it's so galaxy brained yes. at this point that like they might as well not have one because I just don't know how any of this is gonna work. Like I just I I, I it's, feel it's like it's not. I, I I really don't think it is. Which is why I go back to the concept of like I just think they're gonna be kind of bad for a while. Maybe, yeah. but but they just. Like Bill said, I worry that they won't be bad enough. They're not going to be. Not with Carter Hart. That's They're the not. thing. Like Carter Hart. I mean, Carter Hart's also, been here this year. Like, the, like once true. everyone's healthy, this is probably like a relatively competent team. Like, they're not going to be good by any stretch. They probably still wouldn't have made the playoffs, but like they wouldn't have been a disaster. Couturier. And if they're not a disaster, then we're not going to get what we need. Couturier, Hayes, and Ellis need to pump themselves with so many steroids <laughs> that they just become transformers. I think that's the uh, 
I think that's the, the that's the path there. So TK, do you think yeah, he has, like that. do you think TK has Justin Williams written all over him? I don't know if it would be yeah. as I don't know if he would well, be as Mr. Game with, Seven like exactly. like, like that Justin stuff. Justin Williams no. is kind of like extremely good, but I I do think that like a lot of players, Travis Konechny will get traded from here and be better than he was here. How good? I don't know. I think he would. Be Does better than that he was fear here. make you want to keep him more than? his upside here i mean i i want to keep him because i think he's a good player So here's the thing like i at this point do think that bottoming out is the only way this gets fixed in any kind of like way that makes the team actually good the problem is as bill said they've told us they're not doing that so working within that framework I don't want to get rid of Travis Konechny because he's good. So, like, if you're gonna, if you're telling me that you're gonna try to be good, and that's what I have to accept as reality, then like, I would like to keep as many good players as possible because we are going to need them if we're going to be good. But as Charlie said, then how do you get better? Like, you can't without getting rid of players that are good. So it's like it's, they're basically I don't stuck. Know. They are. They're to- they've totally yeah. fucked themselves. Yeah. It's it's a disaster. No, I mean, as I said, like, the pathway to making additions this offseason without removing players that are one of the big reasons why you have the potential to actually fix this right. was not re-signing Ristolainen. Right. And they re-signed Ristolainen. So there goes your flexibility. It's gone because it's tied up in Ristolainen, who is, like, a number five defenseman probably that you're now paying $5 million. $5.1 million. There's your flexibility. It's gone. Goodbye. In the most like galaxy brain bullshit that I could think of is, ooh, what if they signed him so that they can trade him? But that is not. No. When was the last? I, time I, I had someone someone DM me about that. No, like, it's, well, does oh this make God. his trade value higher? Like, no, they ain't trading him. No, we got we got five years and five more years of risk. And like, who who with five years on their deal ever gets traded? Nobody wants five years. No one. Like. GMs would be like, I don't know about that term on McDavid. Like, G- like they're so afraid of term, it's insane. What if they did trade Provorov? I then mean, that would be interesting. Be and that fine, but who? It, it just plays? comes down to it, yeah, it comes down to what you get for him, and then also like who takes his minutes. You still yeah, have to yeah, like you still have to then go get a defenseman, and they would just go get another fucking wrist line. <laughs> Just Justin Braun and Probably. Ryan Ellis top pair. <laughs> and Keith Yandel. Oh, God. Keith Yandel. I, I just... I just don't... Like, it gets me back to this... To the Cam York thing. Like, I understand Charlie's point. Like, you don't play a, a, a young kid those sorts of minutes. You don't want to put Why him not? with Provorov, who's a disaster. But, like... Figure out in some way if he is an answer here because you're really going to need this guy and you're probably going to need him for more than third pair minutes next year. Like, that can't... Ah, you have a first-round pick that you're going to play 13 minutes a game? Like, that's that's your... I realize he's like 23, whatever, but, like, that's a horrible plan. Yep. yep. Figure out if he's worth more than yep. that. Yes. Why can't we ever just... See what these guys are and go from there. And Once, by the time we figure it out, it's too late. We've already You've re-signed already, yeah. him for five years. You've like, already acknowledged that he's an NHL defenseman. Yeah. So so test that shit out a little bit. And if that mean if that doesn't mean first pair of minutes, maybe 
maybe you drop Bristow down to the third pair for like <sighs> half half the time. He's going to be just see, just see. He is going to be tethered to Risto because they traded Sanheim. That is what is going to happen. You know what? That's probably actually that, 100% that, what is going that to happen. That wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it's going to be Cam, Cam York, Ristoline, and second oh, pair for the next five there years. That is, is absolutely what is going to happen. So the new Andrew McDonald anchor for every young defenseman to drag around is Rasmus Ristolainen. It's like it's like swinging a bat with a weight on it, you know? You, you're better, you better when it's going. Oh, I love this for us. I'm going to oh, die. Man. Guys, I really hope we're doing this show five years from now. And <laughs> What else are we going to be doing with our lives? I don't. I also hope that the team folds in that time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a good chance the world doesn't exist uh, in yeah, five years. Just... So, God, what are we How gonna? We've had How like did we the get worst. Here? How are we? We've this... had the worst time of it. Like, remember when How we started? Remember no. when we started and it was like, look at this crop of prospects. Think about what we're gonna be in five years. And now it's like, oh yeah, in five years we're gonna be getting over the Ristolainen era. Like we're that'll like, be a we're... decade. That'll be we're a decade. Th- we're three years ago Detroit Red Wings right now. Like, <laughs> it's literally that bad. Bring and me I the Kaiser! If, I don't know if Danny Briere is our uh, Iserman. I, maybe Iserman's our Iserman. Can, can, can we, we get, get him? him? <laughs> I don't know. He didn't play here. I don't know if you can hire a guy that didn't Stevie, play here. Stevie! Uh, we'll give you free cable and internet. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, free cable and internet. Yeah. That's got to be a hell of a fucking recruiting tool. It's very expensive, so... You know. Free cable and internet with the premium channels, Stevie. We Peacock, got you. you get Peacock. Peacock this comes with it. Team. <laughs> you, can, you can watch the new Dexter. So there's a fucking game tonight. I can't wait to do post game. <laughs> I'm going out to dinner and I can't watch it, and I'm very glad. Uh, that's probably the best thing for your mental health, Kelly. Indeed. Do you know how many of my callers on like 50 percent of my callers on post game just go? Yeah, I didn't watch a fucking game. Uh, <laughs> and I just, every single, every single time, I just go, good for you, man. Good for you. <laughs> God, it would be. I love post games with Bill. They are the most fun. I've it, it would be quite truly, it would be truly funny at this point if, like. We all like, and, and No, no. Like, it would be truly funny if, like, somehow this all worked. Like. Uh, you know, I, I, I would be fully jokerified if this is one of those if, times if, where if, I would like, love to be wrong. If it all just yeah. works it's, and like the off season, they like somehow find a way. Like Johnny Goudreau signs for like seven mil because he <laughs> desperately wants to come back home, <laughs> and like Claude Giroux comes back for like four sure. because he he never wanted to leave in the first Loves place. And they got like a good young defenseman in the trade that was just a rental trade because he wanted to come back to Philly anyway, and then like. Ryan Ellis comes back and plays 82 games next year, and Sean Gutierrez is better than ever, and Ristolainen and Sanheim actually is a good second pair. Like, I would be fully jokerified if all of this worked. Would love to look like an uh, absolute uh, fucking idiot. The for only saying that this team was lost. The only thing, to. the only thing that gives me optimism is that like I'm so often wrong about this team. 
Like talk about when we started. <laughs> talk about when we started and all the draft picks and everything and how this, you know, and this was this was the time. They were going to be really getting there and being a contender. Like that didn't work out. You know, I'm I'm just straight up like on Twitter rooting for them to lose. They win two in a row. Like <laughs> I, the only thing that gives me optimism is that God is real and he fucking hates me. Like that's that's it. <laughs> That's what gives me optimism about this team. <laughs> Amazing. I'm just glad I'm off Twitter the the week that I say the Broad Street Bullies are the curse because I'm gonna people are gonna yell at me. Uh, no, that should be the headline of this podcast. The bully. Curse. I just I'm pleased. Like, thank you, the Flyers, for announcing this before we recorded, that was kind as of opposed them. to it, immediately afterwards. I am, that was kind. I saw in Slack because I always like on days we record. I always open Slack first just to like see if there's any sort of time change or anything. And I just see Steve goes, "You guys are gonna have a lot to talk about." And I was like, "What's he fucking around?" And then I open Twitter <laughs> and I'm like, "No, he's not. No, he's, no, he's not <laughs> fucking not. around." All right, are we done? I, I think we, uh, we had we, a we, we had a time. Yeah, everyone, uh, I, I have to write on this, yeah. and I also also apparently there's going to be a um a Risto Zoom call too. Oh, so like I, I got a day ahead of me. I hope Tell he just laughs. Up. I hope he just fucking opens Zoom and laughs for forty straight minutes. Like <laughs> suck it, nerds. All right, that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content, content, content. If this one brought you up, wait for the next one. I'm sure something fun will have happened again. Uh, obviously, tonight's post-game, fly perbole, all sorts of shit. Just take my word for it. Hit subscribe. It's free. You're not losing anything. Uh, all right, my name is Bill Matz. For Charlie, for Kelly, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!